1: Celtic state of mind. It's the match day coverage. It's the special. It's the pre match. And by the way, welcome back to Laura Bradburn and Kevin McCluskey. You have done many uh, match day shows. It's a different type of show, isn't it, Laura, with regards to uh, analysis and all that. There's plenty. actual contributor says, you know what, I would not touch a reaction show. It's too emotional. But I think you've been through uh, the mire quite a few times. Uh, how are you feeling today?
2: Listen. Uh, and I know that this is early early doors to be saying this but you literally couldn't possibly have a worse situation than what we went through that lockdown season and <sighs> reacting online live to that I mean I don't mind being on uh, nowadays when it's still relatively, uh, still relatively good, I have to say though I, I don't know if Celtic are just trying to torture us or if they're um, try to distract us but putting up that performance from December on their YouTube channel this morning of the last time we played St Johnston at Celtic Park on Christmas Eve and you just sit watching it thinking why do I not appreciate the good times when they're here? Why does it have to be all nostalgia? Because honest to God the performances, um, the, the kit, wearing that lovely away kit at home at Celtic Park... Just all that stuff, and you just think quite appreciate the times when they're there because you're only you're only a a manager departure away from from turmoil.
1: You know this, Laura. It's like the toothache. You know, you don't appreciate the fact that you're walking about blissfully pain free until the toothache hits, and you just think, oh, the 363 days of the year when I've not got this are blissful. But when the toothache kicks in you then start thinking, wow, I'm just taking it for granted. Listen, I don't have any concerns today, Kevin, you know, I did last week. I don't have the same concerns because I think even with the injuries, the circumstances just kind of all aligned last week and I just felt that there might have been an upset on the cards. I'm not getting that feeling at all. We're going to obviously speak about the team and I'm going to bring the team up just in case anybody who's tuning in. Thank you every single one of you for getting involved in the match day coverage. It's always an absolute pleasure to have you involved Um, and I'll tell you how much of a pleasure. Just last night we were uh, live in Glasgow. It was a late one. I was uh, home after midnight, didn't turn into a pumpkin. I'm here today. No matter what, I will be here, even in traffic sometimes. In fact, there was one occasion when Laura had to take the reins because I was stuck on the bypass. However, I'm here, and um, the amount of people that were coming up and speaking about Axon to us, it's always an absolute pleasure. Louisiana. We had someone from Louisiana who actually tunes in Tony, I've seen your name. Tony uh, Davare and I've seen your name on the, the comment section. You introduced yourself last night. And Kevin, I'll, I'll tell you something. I know that, you know, it can get tricky at times on social media with people having a wee dig here and there. And then somebody like Tony, who's over from Louisiana, comes up and says, You know what? I love listening to Axel I'm at my work over there. Um, it's a godsend. It's tremendous to hear that.
0: Hi, it is. Um, I've not really experienced it myself, I must admit, um, because my visits back home are few and far between. But I see the the emails and the the tweets and posts and whatever you, that you share within the the Fabled Axon group chat, and it is. It's uh, it's touching when you read some of them. It kind of shows I me mean, we're just Celtic fans that come on and talk about Celtic, but it means a lot to other people. Actually, our opinions can be respected by folks as well, which means a lot to us when we hear it back. So yeah, it's it's a it's a touching thing, and uh, you know maybe one day I'll get to experience it myself. Someone will be be walking down the streets of Budapest, and someone will recognise me. That's the dream.
1: Well, were you not meant to be organising a wee night with uh, Ramon Vega?
0: Well, I was, but Mister Vega has gone quiet on me.
1: Oh, is he oh, bumping yeah. you off? Is it one of the ones? Yes,
0: aye, aye.
1: Um, Laura. I mean, we had Louisiana guests, we had Irish guests, we had um, guests obviously from uh, closer to the venue. It was Don Max, it was Simon Donnelly, Jackie McNamara. I get the feeling that, like Wesley, if they were two of your favourites.
2: They were two of my favourites, Jackie and Simon. Um, I do remember a specific uh, time where I went to uh, an audience with, and it was actually supposed to be with uh, Lubo Moravchik, but he unfortunately had to pull out at the last minute and who stepped in, but one of my other favourites, Stylian Petrov. So it was a a dinner and drinks thing in Bathgate, of all places, that I went with my uncle and my brother to see Stylian Petrov talking. And he 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 took the time to do a wee meet and greet with us before we went in. And I turned round to uh, get my picture taken with him and who's standing behind the camera but Simon and Jackie. And I nearly... I was about to say something that can't be broadcastable. I nearly uh, collapsed on the floor, shall we say. Um, We're were, all trying
1: to think what you were going to say there, Laura. (laughs) 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 We'll leave that to your imagination out there. Yes, I absolutely love speaking to Celtic players, ex-Celtic players, about their time at the club, Laura. And there was a story from Charlie Mulgrew last night involving Scott Brown and a kangaroo. I'll leave the rest to your imagination. It was something I'd never heard before. Um, I'm not quite sure if it happened or if it was in the midst of a three-day bender in Australia. Uh, but it was an interesting tale, nevertheless. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. It's always an absolute pleasure to join you for the uh, match day experience. And here we go. We've got the uh, team lines. They've been announced. We've been talking about it all week, and uh, I don't think any of us got the team right. Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. Here we go. Um, so. In terms of players returning, the big one is uh, Alistair Johnston. He's been much, much missed and he returns at uh, right back. I made a suggestion, Kev, during the week there that we might even play him at uh, centre half because obviously of the, the injury crisis in that position. But he comes back, he makes his return uh, and has recognised right back Berth and obviously Tony Roush and drops to the bench. Not due to any really bad performances, Kev. I know that the performance um, as a group and as a you know collective was poor. But Tony Ralston, I felt, was coming back to something like his best against Aberdeen.
0: Yeah, I mean, last weekend Ralston was far from the worst Celtic player in the park, so I don't think he's been dropped because of poor form or anything like that. I think this is just the case of we've got our first choice right back. back. He's fit to play, so you play him. Uh, it's a shame for Tony that he... He's always the guy that drops out in these situations and it almost feels like it doesn't matter how good he plays, he's going to lose out. But Johnson's an upgrade, so you've got to have him in. But looking at, looking at that defence, for me, he's the surprise inclusion because I didn't realise he... I knew he was back in training. I didn't realise he was that close to a start. So it's great to have him back and it's great to have him in at right back in his natural positions so we're not really kind of... Is it putting square pegs and round holes with anyone in this team? Everyone's kind of in their strongest (laughs) place. So I think he'll be massive to have back in the team now, especially with uh, a Wii game coming up next week.
1: Yeah. See the thing, Kev, I've always been an advocate of playing players in their correct position I know that sounds really basic but we've done it so often in the past haven't we where it is the square peg in the round hole my point on uh, Johnson was probably a wee bit of a contradiction to that because I know that he has played games at centre half and I just wanted some kind of solidity I didn't want a watter in there because I don't think he's a very good uh, centre half even though I accept the fact that he's played more games there than he has in the midfield I was going to bring him into midfield which obviously has not happened but it's great to see Johnson back I'm going to ask you Laura um, a player like Tony Ralston i Although he drops out, he's a manager's dream because he's low maintenance, isn't he? He's going to give the manager absolutely no problem at all about dropping out for Johnston to come back.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 very much the way Ralston works. He, he he delivers when called upon, and he and he's quite happy to make way for for better players or, or players that are deemed to be better. So, um, although. Although I think we can probably do better in terms of overall standard, I'm delighted that Johnston's back in because he, especially for the game next week. But, um, but you know, having him in there, you can never accuse him of not trying hard enough, and he's got ability as well, obviously. So I really think he's the type of player that could help, hopefully, help raise the standard of the entire team over the course of the game.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of comments coming in in relation to getting a good performance, getting a good result today uh, That because there's been a bit of doom and gloom. Uh, Magnet 67 comes in to say afternoon Axiom team, big win and performance needed today to get back some positivity and I totally uh, understand that because there has been a bit of doom and gloom and you see it in the comments, you see it also in, on the social media channels. But i tell you something, when the Celtics fan base gets together as we did last night in front of 200 nods, uh, Celtic fans, the feeling was very positive uh, when they're singing... Uh, The Charlie Mulgrew song to the tune of Dirty Old Town and all that kind of stuff Um, I think there was a confidence running through the venue last night Paddy Lavery, welcome back Uh, We as fans demand a good performance today There's been too much gloom around the place since the Cup defeat And there has been, Um, we've spoken about that as well And it's not down to uh, entitlement It's just that, you know what, we hate getting beaten I don't think that's a bad trait at all Uh, Making up the rest of the back five then Joe and goals, no big shock there. The two centre-halves then are Lagerbielk and Scales with Taylor at left back. So the, the next talking point, I guess, Kevin McCluskey, is the fact that Liam Scales gets the nod. I was impressed with Liam Scales during the pre-season games. I've got to say, I don't think he put a foot wrong. He, he did impress. Um, and I did expect, however, for him to, to be leaving the club. Aberdeen have obviously shown an interest in taking him back to Pataudra. It's not happened thankfully it's not happened actually under the circumstances but it's like you say we can play him in his natural left side of cent- central defence Lager Bielk although plays most games there he can also play on the right hand side so I can get why he's gone for Liam Scales I was obviously wanting Johnson a few people wanted water in there are you quite happy with the inclusion of Scales?
0: I am yeah um, I'm going to touch on the last point that Laura made though about Johnson being a player that can lift the team I think is what you said I think that's exactly what we're needing from the back because we need that leadership I think Johnson's got that he's he's got captain material in him I think just the that full-blooded nature of the way that he attacks every single game Mm -hmm. we miss a leader at the back when Carter Vickers isn't there so I think Johnson coming in can give us a wee bit of that again so again to touch on him massive to have him in and yeah for me he shouldn't be centre-back I know that you can play there. I know there's a, there's a strong argument that you could come in and play there, but his strengths should being been a, a right back. And for me, I think the obvious choice to come in today was Liam Scales. I'm always tempted to call him John Scales, the old player that played for Livingston and Wimbledon, so I've got to pause every time before I say his name. Uh, but aye, Scales was the obvious one. Because he's a left footer, he gives us that balance. Um, Lager, Bell, Cano... Generally plays there, but he's right-footed, so you'd imagine he'd be stronger on the right-hand side as well. And Taylor's been off it massively this season so far. And I think just maybe having another left-footer next to Taylor can help him. He can help cover in the spaces when Taylor maybe wants to get forward. There's just a wee bit more balance. Um, and this is, this is a huge, huge game for skills. Yes. I agree that he's one of those players that I thought could have been heading out the door this summer. And if I'm being honest, he's a player I would push out the door this summer because I don't see him having a future as a first team player but now we've got injuries to three or four other centre backs, the chances opened up Yeah. so if he comes in and plays well today I know we're looking at signing another centre half before the Rangers game but if he plays well today, he puts himself in a right good place to get a game at Ibrox next week and then who knows, this could be the game that rebirths his Celtic career
1: Yeah, the resurrection. I mean, John Scales, uh, obviously, is a player I remember well as well at Wimbledon, and he signed for that. Liverpool side, who had a superb run of Adidas match jerseys. Laura, you will appreciate them. Uh, That was in the time of the... You know, uh, Stan Collymore and all these guys playing for them. Um, but when we're talking about Liam Scales, I, I totally get that. It's like you're looking at that injury list and it was physically a list that Brendan Rogers took into the uh, press conference. That's how bad it was, the injury crisis. And he's probably thinking, you know what, let's play it as safe as we can with, with regards to playing somebody in his strongest position um, in the left-hand side of defence. But I do agree with, with Kevin in relation to it being a massive, massive test for, for Scales. It could make or break his season at Celtic. And there's been loads of talk about us going back into the the transfer market to to try and shop for a centre half Laura you know what type of signing would you expect us because you know for all intents and purposes it's an emergency signing isn't it
2: Yeah uh, apologies by the way if my internet is playing up uh, you guys are jumping about here there and everywhere and when it's when it's the two of you then that means I'm the problem but um uh so apologies mm-hmm. for was jumping about it's listen I I wouldn't be totally averse to looking at the kind of free agent market um, because you do get some valuable players, especially nowadays um, with players needing to be offloaded in terms of wages from from Premier League teams and other teams like that. And I'm not saying uh, it's a realistic shot for us to go out and get a Sergio Ramos or something like that, but there's got to be... Some somebody of a decent enough standard who hasn't yet found a club, um, and and that might sound like like low ambition, but I think at this stage in the transfer window, what you don't want to do is be ripped off by somebody because y- y- other clubs could be looking at it going, well, they're still hunting about, they've got an injury mm-hmm. crisis, they've got money burning a hole in their pocket from the Jota sale um, we'll take them for all they're worth. And actually it might be a better call at least until January to go there's a there's a decent quality centre back or something like that who's who's yet to find a club. We can offer them Champions League football and a good wage and competitive football in a shop window like we've talked about to, to get back into maybe bigger bigger platforms and, and it might not be the most um wasteful thing to do. Um, I'm sure it's not everybody's cup of tea in, in terms of how you manage things but I just think in the current situation we find ourselves when we weren't looking for a central defender before these injuries. I just don't want us to be one of those teams that other clubs see coming and, and, and take us for all we're worth. We need to be a bit smarter than that.
1: Yeah and and we've spoken okay point.
0: Yeah, so we, we only need a centre back for two months Mm-hmm. essentially, until Kata Vickers and Navrotsky come back. So there's no point in spending huge money again on a player there. And there are... Uh, I've been looking at the transfer mark for it, and there's a few decent defenders that are going about are a free transfer just now. Maybe somebody that's a bit... could be unattainable, but you've got, like, Jerome Boateng from Bayern Munich. Players of that ilk still haven't found clubs.
2: Well, there's, so, um...
0: if, you, if you can offer it a short-term contract to January
2: Got your happy price, price line. Yeah, and there's somebody on the comments suggesting Yeri Mina the ex-Barcelona uh, and Everton defender. I don't think for the yeah, standard yeah. that we'd be looking for that he'd be a bad buy even for a few months and even if we have to kind of break our wage structure to say we'll give you six months at an, at an inflated wage because we're a bit you know, in the mire. I don't think that's a, a bad way to go. And it again it stops us paying out a massive transfer fee for somebody that we we weren't looking for anyway.
1: Yeah. And You know, the other thing I was going to ask you in relation to, uh, obviously, Taylor at left-back, there was an argument made for Burnaby by James McKenzie during the week. Um, the other week there, Laura, you made an argument for David Turnbull to we return. We'll get to the midfield in a second. James didn't get his wishes. Burnaby's on the bench. Um, but the big discussion point that we've had is, is around the inverted fullbacks and how that's changed, not just the shape of the defence, obviously, Laura, but it has affected the midfield area as well. And uh, you were talking about watching a vintage like Performance from last season, and you can see the the change in style. But there's a point coming up here in relation to. Um, let me just dig it out here uh, if I can find it in relation to the actual starting eleven. I can't see. It. I think it was Mark Capler was saying. Look, if this is your starting at eleven, you know this is kind of desperate times. But I was looking at the the injury list. We've got Carter because shout any other names that I forget Novroski, Welsh, Hatate, Kobayashi, Tilio, and of course Mikey Johnson, and we've lost. Moistar, Felton, and Jota. So when you add that up, I think that's like 11 players. Um, that's a whole starting lineup potentially, and we don't have them available. So the reason this starting lineup's looking a little bit fragmented, the reason we're talking about maybe free transfers or, or short-term emergency transfers, Laura, is is due to unforeseen circumstances. It really is. There's no, mm. there's nothing at all you can do. You can't. I think we've gone into this season with half a dozen centre halves, and now you're down to the bare bones. You're playing your only fit centre-halves today. There's really no backup. You know, you think, I can let and Lawal go down and get his experience at Fleetwood. And away he goes. You allow Staffelt to go. You know, you don't expect a situation where Vickers, Norovsky, Welsh and Kobayashi all get injured. I mean, th- this is kind of unthinkable, isn't it?
2: Well... I, I raised the question on Twitter and I, I've taken to um, rather than putting out the hot takes that get me in bother I just pose questions and let people discuss the answers to them um, uh, and one that I put out um, was at what point do we start talking about rather than bad luck start talking about maybe there being an issue within the club because We've had runs like this of injuries multiple times, especially at this stage of the season. And you want you start to think, What? when do we start looking at the suitability of our pre-season regimen? When do we start looking at maybe our equipment not being up to scratch or our training facilities? When do we start looking at our physio and coaching staff and, and suggesting that maybe they are not handling the players properly? Because I refuse to believe that it's just a luck issue. It's got to be more consistent than that. Like l- Bad luck is l- losing a key player to a freak injury. It's not losing numerous defenders all to like muscular injuries and non-impact injuries. That's, for me, something that needs a little bit more investigation and a little bit more consideration about what might be causing it other than just bad fortune and whether it is actually coming from within because... If it is, it's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. It's going to be something that's going to affect us, especially as the season goes on and the and the matches get more frequent.
1: Well, four centre halves are out injured, uh, and obviously two have been transferred elsewhere. One uh, temporarily down to Fleetwood, so you're, you're six down. So yeah, Laura, you, you start it begs the question, does that what is going on? And I think uh, even last night, just harking back to last night, uh, the example that I was talking to Charlie McGrew about was when Ronnie Diala came to the club, and obviously there was a different approach. To training, he said it was actually more to do with the diet actually than the intensity of the training back then. Um, Kevin, is it an issue internally, or is it an issue with regards to when a new manager comes in? There is a new approach to training, and it takes the players' bodies time to adjust. I mean, what what is the problem at the moment? Do you think? I think it's probably a mix of both, because I think Laura makes great points
0: about about this. Um, if you if you're getting the the same injuries pretty much occurring in different players across the team, then there's a problem with what you're doing internally. Your training, or you're, as you say the, the facilities you've got, the equipment that you've got, isn't up to standard because you know these things shouldn't happen. <laughs> you've got all the sports science in the world really mm-hmm. at your disposal. You should be able to design programs that the players can adapt to from one manager to the next so that the injuries don't occur. So we're either, we've either got it and we're not using it, or we don't have the um, the skill set within Lennox Town to cope with it. So there's definitely, I think there's definitely some improvements that we need to make. Um, and yeah, if it's freak injuries, if it's match day injuries, then that's fine. That's one thing. You can put it down to something happening on the pitch. If it's something happening on the training ground, then yeah, you do need to look internally. I think though the, the point that you make there that is a a switch between managers, I think that can definitely have an impact because you've got players that will be used to training one way and uh, their bodies will be used to it. They've also had a few weeks off over the summer. They're coming back and it's just possibly that kind of shock to the system that's affecting some of the players. But again, look at the sports science. There should be there should be training programmes in place that we can gradually get players Used to can win them off one program onto another so that these injuries don't happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, something something doesn't seem to be right internally for that.
1: Yeah, and it's like we've got to have to buy ourselves out of trouble. Um, you know, back in the day with Roy Aiken, who we spoke to last month, he's talking about, uh, you know, training at Barrafield up to his ankles and mocking a quagmire, and and uh, not only that, preparing for games by playing. um People at seven a at Botlands on a Thursday and then maybe playing Rangers on a Saturday. Can you imagine now? Because these footballers are wrapped in cotton wool, you know, to make sure that there's no injuries. And there's Rangers fans diving into sliding tackles on Roy Aiken, Celtic's captain, on the Thursday before a, a derby game. Unbelievable. The urban culture, I like your positivity. I was a wee bit worried last week whether the predictions were coming in. I've got to say, I would never and have never predicted a defeat against Celtic, but I wasn't feeling it. Last week, Urban Culture, I'm going to agree with you. I think we're going to win today and win fairly comfortably as well. Now, Sean Fairley says a good win with a good performance is a must. I get that. I totally get it because the whole mood changes. Laura, I was saying that before we came on. You notice it in the social media um, kind of output whereby you're promoting your shows week after week, day after day, and then you're getting your comments and the comments and the mood and the tone of the comments change like that as soon as Celtic get beat and it's like, Right, let's calm down, it's one defeat Um, And I get that the performances haven't been great Craig Rankin's looking forward to seeing what Yang can do uh, as well I've got to admit, so am I I think I've been very impressed with his short cameo performances and appearances David McMillan, hail hail from Thailand Uh, Kev Vince, I don't know if that Celtic or you are stuck in a quagmire Always ask people to let us know where you are watching the show Hopefully it's not in a quagmire And Danny Boy, this ain't going to be pretty but let's hope it's effective. And again, Laura, you you were talking about a vintage performance last season. It would be nice to get a nice performance as well today. I mean, it's not... Yeah, the win is more important than anything else. But I think if we put in a good performance, a lot of the worries will be uh, dissipated at the end of the game, won't they?
2: Well, the, the the reassuring thing about that that performance from last season that I was watching the highlights of this morning was a lot of the personnel the same. So mm-hmm. why why can't the the majority of the performance be the same. Now, that that's over oversimplistic way to look at it. They've got changes to the coaching staff, changes to the manager. If those things didn't matter, then managers wouldn't exist, and I get that. But, you know, we we can't doubt the ability of the players. Some of the players who haven't been performing this season are, are, are not sure why they're not performing, but it's not because they're bad footballers it's because of some other external factor. So whilst we've still got good footballers in the squad and we do, there's always that chance that we can, we can, you know, everything can click. Even under Ange, we talked about the everything clicking in that Batiste game um, and before that it had been kind of up and down. Brendan's waiting for that Batiste performance, I think, and I hope it comes soon. Um, but... I think the most important thing today, after the shambles that we saw last week, is just a home game. Let's blow a team away. Let's try and forget last week and get back on track because there is a lot of panic and a lot of furore going on about, you know, where we are and how we've let things slip and everything. Like you say, Twitter and I'm I'm subject to it as well it's a hotbed of hysteria and we just kind of need to calm ourselves down remember what we did last season remember that it's not that long ago and that we've got a lot of the same personnel and just concentrate on getting things back on track which I think we will do I think we will do I think after a game like last week you can think it's all doom and gloom but actually you know it. If we go out there and win 4-0 today, I will be feeling an awful lot better about the whole situation.
1: Yeah, you're right. A win can make such a big difference. Uh, Mark Tyler, it's always a pleasure to see you in the comment section. If you want to comment on the pre-match, halftime or full-time bulletins today, all you need to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's all free of charge. You get daily content. And we're going to be throwing more and more content as the season goes on as well. Hail, hail. Good to see AJ back. Three points back to the Summit. And Alan uh, Robertson, who is a long-time viewer of Axom, it's always a pleasure to see you coming in with a chat. We are missing Starfield. This is the thing, the big, the big issue um, with regards to Starfield it not just the individual, it was the fact, uh, Kevin, he was part of such a great partnership. And now, you know, yeah, centre-halves are playing for the first time together last week, they're playing for the first time together this week. That's something that we're not used to, is it?
0: I think every game this season so far, we've had a centre-back partnership that's played together for the first time, I think. Excuse me. And although you don't want that in any area of the park, you definitely don't want it centre-back. That's, where, that's probably the most important partnership in the whole team. If you've got a solid defence, then everything else can follow after that. And We just haven't had that this season. And it's... It's no one's fault in a way. It's just, it's injuries that have caused it. And we've done our best to replace players that have left, um, and it's just not happened so far. But yeah, big Starfield. He has been a big miss. We um, you know him and Carter Vickers for the last couple of seasons. Did they lose a a competitive domestic game that they started together? Don't think they did. And you notice the difference when either one of them was out over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, Starfield's a big miss, but. Okay, almost forget about him because he's gone and you know he's not a player that's going to come back this season. Carter Vickers is the bigger miss because he's still in the building and we don't have him. And the defense without him, even over the last couple of seasons, has always looked weaker. Mm-hmm. He's not been there. Um so that's why, like I said, today's today's a huge game for both Lagerbilk and Scales. But not to jinx it too much. I think we've got a pretty decent opposition to have this new defensive partnership against because St Johnstone in the first few games have been pretty poor. They haven't really created much. So hopefully they can just have a, a fairly steady game between them and we can go out and get the win. But here, my question back to you is on this one. In a way, what's more important today? To get the three points, but play like we did against Ross County, where we weren't great, but scored four or go out and really batter St. John'son, but only win one nil. Is it result of performance that does it today? Because I think if we win, if we win big but don't play well, there's still going to be a lot of doubts going into next week. But a good performance, even with a narrow win, might be the thing that just builds that momentum up again for next week.
2: Yeah, I th- I'm I'm hundred percent on board with that. I would take a one nil where we missed a bunch of sitters because we were creating chance after chance. I would hundred percent take that. It would frustrate the life out of me, but I would take that over a yeah. 4-0 where you think, oh, actually, we've been flattered there.
1: Definitely. Could I, can I take a 4-0 where we absolutely batter them and rip them the <laughs> You can, Paul. That option right. is also on the table. Yeah. yeah, I'll go for option C then, right? Uh, I, I would love that. But one, one final wee story, right? I know that a lot of people are saying to me when we do the live gigs, why aren't you streaming them? Is it going to be on the YouTube? I would love to do that. And we've looked into uh, the, the technicalities behind it. But unfortunately... Uh, in order for us to get an honest account from the guest on the stage, it probably wouldn't be a good idea because then the guest becomes very guarded and they don't share a lot of the uh, stories and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think that's going to
2: happen. They're not like me.
1: No, that's (laughs) it. Exactly. But what we will be doing uh, with a lot of the guests is we'll be doing it as a follow-up where we actually get an interview with them and we'll stick that on the channel uh, as well. But, you know, uh, before I went in, actually, before I actually went into Don Max. This this chap came up to me. I'd never met him before. And it turns out it was Paul Slane's dad. You know how Slaney talks about his dad all the time on his show, right? Uh, and I think what they guys have done is unbelievable. Taking it live and all that. It's just tremendous. And uh, the, the few times I've, I've had the pleasure of speaking to Simon Ferry, I think he's a really, really sound chap as well. But aye, his, his old man came up and uh, it was exactly how paul described them it was tremendous size so big shout uh, out to him oh, as well
2: hang on hang on a minute paul that's not what twitter says twitter says that we're all really jealous of open goal and like their and their <laughs> success and and we hate them all and all that is that not uh, it's almost as if what's on Twitter isn't true. Um,
1: the yeah, social media platform, formerly known as Twitter, I, I, listen, sometimes you just can't um, reason with, with some people with, with their views. <coughs> I've always been a big fan of Open Goal uh, and Simon Ferry. So, yeah, big shout out to Paul instead dad. But, you know, we went in. La- one final story before we go, uh, before kick-off. Uh, Charlie McGrew talking about Ronnie he says, you know, it was more diet than actual uh, tempo of the training. And he banned sugar. He banned sugar from Lennox Town, and Charlie was like, I loved the coffee in the morning. Where they so there was like a, a kind of like um a trading in Demerara, uh, in and around Lennox Town, it was all done in secret between the people who were serving the coffees and all that. So that Ronnie Dyla didn't find out they were taking I'm, a, a sugar. I'm, I'm still-
2: I'm sure that's what it was, I. Eh? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Anyway. There you go. Uh, no bad blood whatsoever between uh, Charlie and Ronnie Daila either, which I think has been a perception over the years. But anyway, let's go to the action. And uh, at halftime, hopefully, we'll be talking about a resounding performance in that first half. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Join us at halftime for another um, analysis of the action. Thank you to Laura Bradburn and Kevin McCluskey for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. work.